hey, guess what? In 40 minutes, you're going to be really scared. But what I, I'm this naked guy, and in 40 minutes, you're going to see my penis. But you're right now, you're going to be really scared by what I wrote on this I wall. Mean, that's- And welcome to the A to Z Horrorcast. This is the Creative Title Podcast, brought to you by us over at AtoZHorror.com. I'm Jack, and sitting across from me is Jake. And all I'm getting is that fucking face on your face. God damn it, Jake. And sitting next to Jake is another guy who's just sitting there with a fucking face on his face. <laughs> and it's we Mark. did it again. <laughs> nice. Yeah. For those of you unfamiliar with our Cracker Jack operation, we watch and review one horror movie a week, and then we get drunk and argue about it. And I gotta tell you what, boys, uh, we're back in business here. We've had a couple of strange weeks. We had a fucking blast at the Idaho Horror Film Festival last week, so we were a little off format. And even the week before that, we were doing kind of an odd thing where we did a double feature instead of just the single review. But but we're back. We're back. One movie we reviewed this week. We reviewed 2018's Hereditary. And uh, we will dive all the way into that real soon. And when we do, we're going to spoil the living shit out of it. And that matters a ton on this So one. spoiled. So fair warning on that. Um, but I got, are you guys psyched to be back? I feel like we haven't just done a standard episode in a while. I don't even know what it feels like to do a standard episode. I, I'm out of practice. I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> I am. If you could just keep playing with noisy shit that's on the table in front of you, that'd be great audio for the rest of the podcast. Yeah, Jake is pouring beers into metal cups that he's slamming about oh, yeah, I like, a, steal like a monster. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited to be to get back to our very precise and uh, interesting format that we yeah, stick structured to stringently format. every week. Structured. Yeah, that's the word everybody's using. <laughs> and so, when we do, we will dive all the way into 2018's Hereditary. Again, can't stress it enough. Spoiler warning. We're going to spoil it, and spoilers matter. But first, we've got to do the getting drunk part. So on that score, let's do beers for fears, noting, boys, that even the beers might contain spoilers. Probably not for this one. So, Jake... What are your beers for these fears? Whatever spoilers you can jam in there. So these are our October-y, Halloween-y picks. They right? sure are. And kind of like we have that as a thing that we do every October. It's kind of a thing that I do with my beer selections Pumpkin that beers. I pick. I'm actually not doing that this year. Good. I'm changing it gross. up a little bit. But I am picking beers that are seasonal and autumnal. Okay. And the first that I have this An week going with this the autumnal beer <laughs> Is by Mother Earth Brewing. That's here in Boise, or I guess you can get Nampa. it. Nampa. They're from, okay, Nampa or San Diego. Yeah. Whichever you prefer. I prefer uh, Nampa. So this is one of their seasonals, the four seasons of Mother Earth. This is autumn. It's a barrel-aged imperial oatmeal stout brewed with coconut, and this is 12.5%. Oh, boy. It's going to be a whole thing. Now, let me ask you this. Was yeah. there any effort whatsoever to tie it into this particular film? No, like I said, I mean, I, I'm choosing autumnal beers. All right, all right. So no effort. Was Mark. there any effort that to make to, when you picked this film to? Yeah, this what film, does this film oh have to do with God. Halloween? Oh my God! Nonsense wow. sentence. Wow. Mark, what does this film have to do with October? Did you make huh? any effort? What's Nothing. your beers for these fears? Uh, I did. This movie is as much about their home as it is. I mean, frankly, I would say the home is a more important character than uh, the husband. Uh, I, I'm drinking <laughs> Idaho IPA. I had it in my fridge. Because you had it from when we recorded yeah. the intro to the Idaho Horror Film Festival. No, 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 no. That was City no. of Trees Idaho Pale Ale. This is oh, Idaho oh, I see what IPA you did. by Sawtooth. 
totally you just went boss some Idaho <laughs> okay. beer. In I reserve, see. I see. in reserve, I have a Kitos double IPA, which has a moose on it, and uh, there's definitely some moose in those woods that they live in. That's the one that looks like the fucking turtle. It doesn't look like a moose. No, there's like literally a <laughs> moose. That's like the. Oh, so the logo of this brewery looks like the turtle. It yes. looks like that turtle thing that kids would wear in, on their necklaces on their faces in junior high. What do you Are mean you on describing their necklaces a puka on their shell faces? Necklace? Sort of, this but does not look like the a turtles. Puka shell. Also, necklaces aren't worn on one's face. Well, I know, but it was trying to tie it back to the quote. Oh, my God. It looks God. like a spider, okay. which is why it was perfect for arachnophobia. It looks like a fucking turtle, Mark. <laughs> Jack, what are you drinking? I'm drinking Worthy IPA by... Ooh, uh, good. Worthy Brewing. Thank you. <laughs> worthy Jesus Brewing. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I was looking for it on there. I didn't see a whole other brewery. I forgot. <laughs> um, because this whole movie is about convincing payment you are worthy of his return and setting everything up such that the world is worthy for one of the eight kings of hell to come down. It's all about come being down. worthy. He's I, this coming is one down we've used from before, hell. and this is one I suspect we'll use again. A lot of cult movies fall into this worthy kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's never bad to have Space Dust in reserve or Revenge IPA, a couple of those staples, <laughs> right. you know. Right, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, not a bad one for our first foray back into the Beers for Fears yeah, segment. Good. I, I mean, gotta I, say, it was, I it's a little weird to have Jack win one on our first one back. Is that going to throw us Hello! off? Hello! <laughs> I do kind of miss drinking Draculager. There's an I'm easy way. Gonna to go fix. pick up a you bunch can, of that. Yeah, you can currently get that in store. I did try to. I thought for a decent amount of time today about jam, trying to jam that in. I could just couldn't make it happen. Yeah, you've never. There's nothing left to jam. Before. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> drinking beer isn't all we've done over the course of the last week. Maybe Seamless we've also transition. done some other stuff in the horror world. Boys, what else has been rocking our horror worlds? Mark, let's start with you. It seems like it has been eons since we've talked about things that have been rocking our horror worlds yeah That's we had the horror release roundup been. in the ep before the film festival it's been like a month yeah yeah yeah, yeah 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 uh i'm gonna hit you with a little bit of delirium from 2017 this was a topher grace and blumhouse joint okay <laughs> uh i watched this actually we were we were on vacation at the oregon coast and we kind of just had a little bit of time to kill and i was like i fit, really feel like watching a horror movie right now so we turned it on and the ocean was like just outside and it was actually one of the most like nice and relaxing movie watching experiences i've had the movie so it doesn't itself, sound very startling uh the movie itself not particularly unsettling not particularly startling I think it hit uh, the lovely wife of mine a little bit harder than it hit me. She had better things to say about it than I did. I thought it was kind of just a sort of just a generic thing. the the interesting The interesting thing about this movie is it's it's a psychological thriller. Topher Grace is like getting out of some mental health institution, whatever, and the whole time you're basically led to believe that he's a crazy person. Uh, so it's one of those movies where like you're trying to figure out the entire time which character he's making up. You know what okay. I'm saying? Like, which which one yeah, was yeah. dead the whole time or something like that? <laughs> sure. Uh, I'm not going to get into twists, but I was actually kind of proud of the movie that it did not play directly into that hand. Okay. Well, that's interesting. So there's there's more substance here than I... It, it's a little bit different. Maybe it's so formulaic that, like, you're expecting it to be less formulaic, and the twist is that it is formulaic. <laughs> the twist is that there was never a twist all along. Yeah, exactly. So... Um, Full of twist, this one. <laughs> That being said, I, like that. I mean, this does go to places you're probably not immediately expecting. So I, this is free on Netflix streaming, or at least it was about a month ago when we last talked about these things. Um, probably you know, still give is. Give it a watch. It's a nice <laughs> little afternoon movie. You don't have to pay a lot of attention to it. I, I wouldn't highly recommend it, but it's, I mean, it's a good Andy Dalton type line. Sure. Uh, Sometimes you're just looking for Andy Dalton. Yeah, you know. 
Hey, guys. He's my fantasy QB in the league in hey, which I'm Mark, undefeated. What? While we're talking about Blumhouse movies, I watched okay, Truth or Dare. Hey! Oh. Hey, I'm going to jump in here. So did I. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, <laughs> this movie was bad. <laughs> Look, it's not good, but I didn't hate watching it. Uh, at first, I was like, hey, good job, movie, not showing all of the deaths in your movie in the trailer. And then I was like, oh. That's because the only creative and interesting death you had, you put in the trailer, and the rest of them are boring as fuck. Yeah, the trailer had some cool <laughs> concepts when we saw it. And, I was, and and look, those pan out exactly the way they do in the trailer. They're still cool, yeah. still innovative, and still fun to watch. And then there just innovative. happens to be the rest of the movie that's attached to it. Yep, there sure is. <laughs> uh, and... I like this, look. It's I like this path the Blumhouse is going down, where they're like trying to just make new intellectual property out of old kids games and stuff. What's next? I feel like <laughs> they have like a hide and seek movie coming out. I don't know. Uh, okay. Well, there's a light as a feather, stiff as a board show on Hulu. It's not a Blumhouse, but uh, well, I don't know. I want Mark. Jason, I want Mark to pontificate on what's next. No, Jason Blum was on uh, the the Bill Simmons podcast. I don't know a year ago or something like that. It was actually when I first heard about the Truth or Dare movie, and he just rattled off like the next ten, and I felt like three of them at the time. I mean, a lot of them like is just IP they already have, like Insidious and whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there were a few of them. They actually circled in on this Truth or Dare and talked about it a little bit because that's like something they're trying to do of like make these kind of innocent things more sinister. Sure. Well, look, it's going to come up when we talk about this particular film we're reviewing today, but the fact that more people don't just take old urban legends and do shit that already has a backstory people associate with it and do stuff based on that is baffling to me. There's only so many urban legends, Jack. And I guess literally all of them have movies made about them, so maybe that wasn't a good example. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'm going to move off of that one, unless you have more to do say it. on it, Jack. Um, look, it's it's not... I don't think it's as bad as you're making it out to be. It's on Netflix streaming... I, it's worth a watch if you're looking for some a very background movie. It's very backgroundy, but it's got attractive young people in it who smile really, really big, really wide, and that's fucking creepy. That shit is fucking creepy. Yeah, looks good. That held up. It seems like it would just turn into a movie viewing experience that was that the whole time. It's not the whole time, and that would wear on the nerves. It doesn't wear on the nerves. That part holds okay. up. The rest of the movie sucks. That part holds up. Eh. All right. It's it's Mark okay. says no. <laughs> it's okay. Let's not get let's okay. Not get so too that part about it. That part's fairly Andy Dalton, too. Great. Hey, guys. It's a, it's, it's a background file. Hey, Mark, what else did you watch? Speaking of things that are available to stream on Netflix, all three of them oh, okay. this week. Uh, yeah. I watched Malevolent, my dark horse, from last two weeks ago, whatever. It's pronounced Maleficent, I think. Uh, that's not correct. That's a different thing. Um, so we knew nothing about this when it uh, when we talked about it at HRR, and then we incorrectly stated it was an animated movie. Because okay, so <laughs> well, okay, we is a hard thing. Yeah, that to was all you. Yeah, you. you guys are in this boat with me. Okay, we bullshit. This out I didn't exclaim anything. Here's the thing. So there is a malevolent that can't that is due to come out in 2018, starring William Shatner. That is objectively horror content. That's this like weird animated comic book thing, and that was the only thing that was on IMDb. Two days before October, and then okay. like we post the thing, we post the podcast on Sunday night, and on Tuesday, three days before the actual movie comes out on Netflix, Netflix decides to drop everything, and all of a sudden, there's an entirely fucking new movie on IMDb. So whatever, I <laughs> not my fault. It's Netflix's fault. Anyway, sure, sure it is. Sure, it this is. is a live action movie, not starring William Shatner, set in Glasgow. 
about a brother-sister duo that hunt ghosts, but they're kind of bad at it, and she's actually psychic, but they're kind of, I don't know. There's a lot of- Aren't like, they frouds? Please tell me I can watch this movie. I was so excited by the premise of this movie. Aren't they frouds? I do not know what that means. He's saying fraud, but he's trying to do a weird accent. I don't fully. I think maybe he thinks it's Scottish. Oh, no, he, yes, he said Glasgow, are... and I said fraud. I would you understand say the... that fraud isn't spelled with a W. It doesn't matter, or an O, or an umlaut. It doesn't matter. Okay, uh, they are essentially frauds, yes, but she has this frauds. weird, like, psychic listener. Power. Time out. Time out. For for Mark and the listener, I did just watch Jake mouth both the words, spell both the words in his mind, Glasgow and fraud, and then nod at me in approval. <laughs> no, I was more I was nodding at myself in approval for the record. <laughs> I approve. I approve. Self. Good work. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay. So if how about delirium? you continue? You're really off the rails here, Mark. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, guys. I'll try and get it back. If Delirium and Truth or Dare are both tenuous recommends because they're good, like background movies, Malevolent is. Well below those in the recommendations. This is whoops, super bad. It's look, it's watchable. <laughs> it's it, it's a pretty enough movie. The production value is there. The acting performances are good. It's just that the story is altogether bad. They don't they don't this take any new, they don't bring anything new to the table as far as like scares or anything like that. It's just and look, I am one who loves this type of genre. The, the the group that goes in with this like almost pseudo found footagey thing the brother and sister tandem that are ghostbusters and then found out to be frauds you know that's <laughs> frauds but then they get in, in over their head because oh! they're ghosts Jake is spilling so much beer all over this pristine to be, recording to be studio. fair the beer is spilling all the beer you are you are a mess right now this movie was tailor made yeah, for me beer <laughs> Christ and you, and you still didn't like it and I can't I, even talk into the I mic right now I'm so distracted like yikes. Yikes! So that's the, the fact that you're putting this significantly worse than Truth or Dare is a whole statement about it. I mean, I gave it a whole half point lower, but you, you, you were higher on Truth or Dare than I was. So, whatever. and in fairness, when he started talking about Truth or Dare, he said it's bad. That's true. So, that's true. I think I would, if you haven't seen either, I would recommend watching Truth or Dare over this one purely because of the novelty of it. It's a more interesting yeah. movie just because it hasn't been done before. This movie's been yeah. done a hundred times before, and like the big scary thing is that the ghosts have their mouths stitched shut. Ugh. Whatever. <laughs> That's, That's never been done before. Spooky. Yeah. All right, I, I like that. And look, I'll speak for both Jake and I when I say that the Idaho Horror Film Festival was rocking both of our collective horror worlds last week. Mark, we imparted some of that to you, but... There was a whole goddamn episode about that, so we don't need to belabor that further, but check them out. They're awesome. Cannot reiterate enough how awesome it was and is. Our longest episode ever. I That cannot possibly be true. It's definitely true. <laughs> Beyond the Idaho Horror Film Festival, I only had a couple of flicks. I had Truth or Dare, and then I had Return of the Living Dead, uh, which I watched to kind of get in the zone to, to do an interview that's going to be, you've already heard at this point. Which Linnea was Quigley. also part of the Idaho Horror Film Festival. Yep, also that. He's but I watched twice. the I watched Return of the Living Dead, so fuck. Those two movies. So tell us about it. Look, Truth or Dare is we talked about it in <laughs> no, Return of the Living Dead. Jesus. Tell us about I, Return of the Living you, Dead. Fuck. Okay, okay, look. I watched Return of the Living Dead after Jake did. Jake watched it first to prepare. Yeah. And then talked to me about it a little, and I was interested in your reaction, which was kinda like Yeah, it's it it's a important movie. It established a lot of tropes, but yeah. I didn't have that much fun watching it. I didn't necessarily say that. Okay. I said it's not that it's hard. It's not a great movie. <laughs> and look, it isn't a great movie. <laughs> but I like it. Yeah. 
And I have and I feel a little. It's like kind of a guilty experience. pleasure, except for the fact that everyone fucking likes it. Yeah. Yeah. So is it's, it guilty pleasure? It's, it's not, not even really. close to the top of my like of the dead rankings. I don't know if I agree with or that. Of actually. the living deads, it's maybe top five, five for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. this one's the most unique of those because the rest of them are kind of their own thing, and sure. this is different. I the thing that's really hard for my brain to reconcile with Return of the Living Dead in particular is that it's at once it's the goofiest and. It's also the one that does the most unique stuff since the original Night of the Living Dead. Totally. Right. For the since genre the creation that is zombies, of the genre. Which yeah. is fucking hard to reconcile. Yeah, it's baffling. But it does. It does like fucking ten things that zombiedom did not have prior to this, really. Yeah. It's great. So, I mean, if you haven't seen it, you have to see it. And the other thing that I would say about this one is the stakes. We're not here to spoil this movie if you haven't seen it. If you haven't seen it, go see it. But uh, this one, the zombies are... A lot harder to kill, and it is a lot more of a problem. And if that sounds hard to believe, watch it. So, like, <laughs> because a, it is a lot of zombie flicks are the the bigger threat is like the human interactions, and the zombies are kind of there in the background. This right? one this is, is not just that. zombies. This is zombies. <laughs> threat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but it's I mean it's, it's worth it's worth a goddamn watch. Um, it is worth a goddamn watch. I haven't seen it in years and years, so I'm very happy. It'd been, it'd been a minute. It. Yeah. yeah, it'd been a minute. But yeah. that's all I got. Look, we had mm-hmm. the Idaho Horror Film Festival. It was a lot. And also, there was a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, apart from the other hundred movies we watched. Jay? Right. So, I watched one last week now uh, with with the girlfriend. It's getting into October. You want to watch a scary movie now and then. You sure do. Now, lovely girlfriend is not the biggest horror fan, as we all know on this show. She has said some crazy things are very scary. Yeah. yeah. But So, she wanted to watch something, but when she was running through the list of things she wanted to watch, it grew thin very quickly. It was... Hocus Pocus, and I was like, I'm not ready for that because I know I'm going to have to see it at some point later this month. It was Halloween <laughs> Town. Great. I was like, no. Objectively great. Not saying not saying no. I'm just saying I know I'm going to have to watch those later, right? Like when we carve pumpkins or some shit that's going to have to happen. So I'm trying to guard against multiple viewings I in mean, the same month. Don't denigrate carving pumpkins. I love carving pumpkins. No, I'm denigrating watching those movies oh, okay. more Fair. than once Fair. during a single, single October. Yeah. That would be bad. Yeah. Why you so got to hate like, so much? Why you got to talk? <laughs> Why you gotta have that? Oh, I'm sorry. Am I face? throwing your segment off the rails? I I sincerely apologize. Thank this you. This is Mark. Jake's segment. I think we've all agreed. His famous. So segment. I said, "Hey, have you seen the Monster Squad?" And she said, "No." And I said, "Well, that's what we're watching." So we watched the Monster Squad, and she fucking loved it. And really, Fuck like, yeah, she what did. is there to say about this one that has not already been said on this podcast? We have a whole episode about it. It was just I Mark and I. That, that's so. that's fine. That's fine, it's Jack. It's less fine. Eh, it was pretty fine. It's okay. Yeah. That movie is awesome. It is one of my favorites. It's one of the first movies I would throw on in a general group place that I would... It's it's It's, it's like almost horror, a guaranteed winner. But it right? is horror. Nobody's going to like it. Or nobody's going to dislike it. <laughs> I was it. like, whoa. Well, no, nobody's exactly going to like what it. I meant to say. Universally whoa. panned that movie. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. That movie is really quotable. It's really funny. It has all the classics. There's still that air of innocence. Love it. Yep, very good. I'm happy to have shown it to her. I watched one other movie that I can talk about, and that movie is The Summer of 84. That's from 2018. Oh, nice. $5, and I rented it on Amazon. Yep. Uh, recently came out on Amazon. I'm sure you didn't rent it on Vudu. I'm sure. Okay. I'm sure it was Amazon. Yeah. Uh, $5. But I, I'd wanted to see this one since it was announced because I'm a sucker for this 80s nostalgia thing. First thing to say about this movie if you're going to be a movie called Summer of 84, your soundtrack better be 
pinpoint accurate and spot on and it was okay the theme for this movie is amazing okay i loved it i was really hoping you were going to be like the theme for this movie came out in september of 1984 this movie is trash yeah uh no when you say soundtrack are you talking licensed track no it is a score original movie score okay oh so you're talking like the synthy stranger things yeah yeah yeah. no it wasn't yeah it wasn't like yeah okay it wasn't like Dawkin. well it's Dawkin what you go to from 84 no okay i'm just saying dream warriors (laughs) thing dude just let me do my thing uh the, the rest of the movie was okay i mean it's a movie about kids that think they have a serial killer living across the street from them it's like kids meets the burbs but with a serial killer instead of just a murdering creepo family so i've heard from sort of but with kids (laughs) okay I've, i've heard from our our what former phantom podcast brethren the modern horrors podcast okay that this is way more than just an 80s nostalgia play and like is its own thing and isn't really comparable to stranger things or it is that at all correct why well, that's kind of a vagary so can you say more about what they said no no they just said it's not at all that i mean i don't i don't know what else well it's obviously not comparable to it or stranger things because yeah a fucking it's not those monster things running around it's a serial it's, it's nothing story. like that yeah this is a movie okay so what i will say is that the the direction this movie takes at the in the f- final third is different than what i was expecting and it was refreshing it left me with a much better taste well much worse taste in my mouth but overall more satisfied from a horror standpoint than i was expecting to that's i thought this movie was done like i i thought that it had ended and then a whole other thing happens, and I was like, "Holy shit, movie!" Here's my cap. I'm tipping it. Sounds like a recommend. Let me. It's a recommend. It is kind of slow for a lot of the movie. Like, if you don't like watching kids kind of try to figure things out and get into some hijinks, it's not funny hijinks. It's just kind of hijinks. Get in trouble. Hijinks, hijinks. Do they grounded. do they find a stack of porno mags in the backwoods? There are porno mags involved in this movie. Oh, okay. Are they in the woods and water? They rocks? don't have to go That's... find them. They just kind of have them in How their How a lot of kids discover their sexuality, I hear. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go out with this question, Jake. Is this I have one more thing to say about likely it. likely to come back up in December when we're talking about things on the Omnibus? It depends on the category. Does that tell you enough? It's not one of the best movies of the year, okay. but it's good at other things. That's what I'm driving yeah. toward. It's going to have the best soundtrack. Yep. Got it. Yep. yep. Something. Best something. It- it's it's worth a watch, I okay. think. Okay. It is it is relatively slow for a good portion of it, though. The last thing that I will say, it's a real immersion breaker. Stop pointing at me. No, you need to. I'm giving <laughs> you one of these, Jack. Okay. That's why I put wine in a can. Gesturing so I can gesture. <laughs> God. You when know that you our listener make can't a movie see this, right? about. I don't care about what the listener does. I just gesticulate wildly. Can you let me gesticulate wildly? Yeah. Sorry, I apologize. Thank you. You're trying to break my stride, and it's not working. I'm on one. When you're trying to make a movie about kids, Jack, in America, and the kids are clearly Canadian, it's immersion breaking. Okay, that could be immersion breaking. That's all I'm going to say. I, I'll agree with that. I don't appreciate how much you just pointed at me in that last sentence. It's distressing. See, I now, think we might need to go to the feature Jack's presentation. To just, if just anything, to get Jake to stop pointing at me. He's just accusing guy. you of being vaguely Canadian is all. Over at ADCHorror.com this week, we watched 2018's Hereditary. I picked this movie. Yeah, you did, Jack. Yes, I did. I picked it for the October special Halloween movies because I feel like this 
could be an all-time classic Halloween horror movie for me. Set Might in be. the spring. Uh, set in the spring and came out in May. So <laughs> set in the spring, came out in the spring. But it's about a, spring, about rebirth. So just like Jack didn't fit a movie into the October Halloween-y thing. <laughs> so it's a meta beer selection. You've That's chosen. exactly what I Holding did. Holding your beer up to the webcam does not help the listeners. No, now I'm on one. I don't need to help the listener. <laughs> He's on the a listener stride. doesn't need my help, man. In my defense, don't I also break picked The Omen, which isn't an October movie. Yeah, you're really bad at this. They don't have to be this. set in October. To be in October, watch. But <laughs> the whole point of The Omen is that it's 6666. I don't know when that was released. Jack that just absolute none of that is the point of the omen. What are you talking about? Jack's just approaching this exercise entirely differently. Whereas we're picking movies that have something to do with Halloween as part of the exercise. He's just picking movies that he would think about watching during October, which yeah. is when someone who doesn't really watch horror movies would watch all of their horror movies for the year. <laughs> That's true. That's what you're doing. I picked I picked the Roasted. omen because my dad and I watch it around Halloween. All right. You're gonna That's shit true. on my relationship with my dad. You're gonna <laughs> get in there jealous of about it. that. It's only because we're jealous of it, Jack. <laughs> And I picked this one because I want it to be a one I'm going to watch around Halloween every year. Okay, that's fine. Or just a with lot your dad, more right? Also. With your dad, or are you going to be the dad this time? I do. Oh shit, that was too deep. Now I'm, I'm looking on off one. I told space. you. Yeah, you're, okay, you're getting Singing all glassy. Cats in the cradle in my head. Fuck that shit. <laughs> we got to get something going here. There, there's a thing that we have to do, and that's called that you're going to go through a plot synopsis. I was really that, hoping you were going to forget about that. But I was going to do a whole about thing it. about it hasn't how been I that long too. Because Jack, I don't want to. Jack, what? Shut up. Guess what? What? You're going to have to do a plot synopsis. 30 seconds are on the goddamn clock. And it's going to start when you start. Tony Collette is the matriarch of a nuclear family. That family is rocked. When the grandmother dies, um, she makes her son take their 13-year-old daughter, to not not her and her son's 13-year-old daughter, her and her husband's 13-year-old daughter, to a party. Uh, the While the son is getting high, the daughter goes into anaphylactic shock, so he has to drive her to the hospital real quick. But instead of driving to the hospital, he decapitates her against a, a post. And uh, then does. they get haunted by the spirit of the daughter, but it's actually not the spirit of the daughter. It's the demon king, Payman. I'm, ooh, I didn't get all that close. Not, to the end. not her and her son's thirteen-year-old daughter, but her <laughs> I, and her husband. I'm glad you Look, clarified. I said that. it, and I did yeah, need to thanks. clarify. Yeah, thanks I, for clarifying. I did have to clarify that. I don't think I it needed it clarification. Wrong. I didn't. I really don't think <laughs> there it was no. I I heard a collective sigh of relief muttered by our listeners. It's like, oh, yeah. thank God he clarified that point in the 30 seconds. Yeah. yeah, because this movie that they've definitely seen, they wouldn't have been able to ascertain. <laughs> well, look. So look. would you like to finish it off, Jack? What happens? Uh, Sure. Payment haunts the shit out of them and then possesses the son, and then he gets crowned the demon king of Earth. Also, there's a cult. Oh, and a lot of naked people. At the end. Yeah. And then presumably goes off to haunt the last shift police station? Most likely. Yeah. 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 This is canon. Yeah. Okay. These two movies. It's the payment verse. Same world. Yeah, the, the payment, payment verse. verse. <laughs> this, the super god king of hell verse. <laughs> Look, this is a hard movie to 30 second plot synopsize. There's I, I a lot going on in this thing. I do like how you presented the uh, the decapitation scene as a choice between I could take her to the hospital yeah. <laughs> or, <laughs> or like, oh, I could run her into this pole. You know what a really good way to let her breathe is? <laughs> Open up that windpipe by knocking her head off. It's effectively a tracheotomy. <laughs> it's kind of like a tracheotomy, yeah. The problem <laughs> like is full, the brain's no like longer there. Like a full there. body tracheotomy. Just remove the body from the head. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys. Okay, boys. Oh, fuck you, Mark. What are you going to say? 
what in the fuck subgenre does this thing belong to? So I wanted to talk Cult. about what we C U L T. Yeah. Supernatural. House. Trees. <laughs> Religious. Miniature houses. I feel like doll houses might be a thing. Mark, this is a house within a house movie. Oh, house <laughs> house subcategory, subgenre, sub subgenre doll houses. Definitely. <laughs> small dark house. I'm adding small dark house. Do, do whatever you want to do. At some point, we actually are going to org chart this out for the listener. Can we categorize this as a religious movie? I get confused on the demonology because it's its own whole thing. I don't think payment appears in the Bible, but I know oh, all, payment, everything I know about appears the Bible. In like old, 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 old shit. He's he's a real dude floating around out there well, in like Hebrew scripture and shit. But he's I mean, not a real dude. He's like a historical figure. He okay, fine. Yes, in the sense that. I don't want to go there. Uh, but this is not a Bible podcast, but uh, I mean, he is mentioned in. I read a the whole book about how Jesus yes. was actually two dudes: one cool philosophy guy and one shyster street magic guy. So, did the shyster street magic Jesus. guy trick the philosopher dude into being crucified? Is that how that works? Nope, just two guys who lived like centuries apart. Right, and but it's very important to me to know crucified. which one was crucified. Neither. Neither was crucified. They both to this tricked a third dude. Historian. <laughs> Is dark. So anyway, Payman is a historical figure. Are you trying to hold on? Is this a subgenre? I legitimately don't know if this is a religious movie or not. No, I feel like we're far enough removed. He's not like yeah. He's not enough of the mythos of the Bible or the Old Testament or Correct. whatever. Demonology but... is its own thing. There's yeah. yes. There's no like it's a demon. I'm going to throw holy water on you. Here's the cross. Right. Yeah. I, I there's totally no Catholicism. Agree with that, but I did yeah. want to raise the, yeah, yeah. the discussion. And I yeah. feel like we're well, already kind of addressing it with cult. Because there is like a yes. very small overlap between cult and religious. It's it's cult and it's occult, but not a cult. Right. It's well, not it, a small horse. It is. There are very few of those. It is a cult. <laughs> no, not a cult. It's a it's a cult, but not a cult. And and to be clear, I think the first, at least as far as Wikipedia was able to tell me, the first reference to King Payman is in the Lesser Key of Solomon. Right, that creepy demonology book. I'm glad you're going back to this. Oh, fuck you. Okay. What we did the subgenre. We did them. That was the end. Um I, I assume that. we've all seen this once before and we all saw that it in theaters. Jake, I think segment. I was with you. Mark hadn't seen this I shit. I had not seen it yet. The first time I oh, watched it. I saw it fuck. with you. Yeah, we Jake, you and I you're still pointing at me. I don't appreciate it. I love how much of his stride's it's really broken. Distressing me. Yeah. We saw it together in theaters. Mark, you hadn't seen this before. That is correct. And it was just kind of a happy accident. You had requested that we watch it and it was like literally sitting on my mantle in blu-ray from netflix form so i was like mm. going to watch it anyway and uh here okay we are. and here and we for, are. apart from blu-ray and netflix i mean i had uh what i guess you can rent it on amazon prime at this point i purchased it on amazon prime can you rent it uh, i rent. i did okay I rented you rented it, it. Yeah. yeah okay so yeah it's available on amazon prime hey boys what does this movie do right uh the decapitation scene let's talk about it it's probably the single most important scene of this movie so I, I don't know that, like, I, I have a hard time arguing with it. I wouldn't have thought that. It, it's, it comes out of fucking nowhere. It Mark, does? did you go into this unspoiled? I Yes, I did not see it coming. She was struggling in the back seat. All of a sudden, her head was gone, and that whole scene is very confusing, but, like, legit, I mean, they went for gasps, man, and they got gasps. <laughs> and, and I gotta tell you, it is early on in the movie, too. I legitimately think my, the- my wife went into, like, shock. Like a small amount of it's shock. In, like she needed a little bit of recuperation. It's in the what? The first afterwards. third of the movie, I think? Yeah. Where, I, Jesus, she just gets fucking decapitated. Well, thing prime that that scene does is that that scene 
extends is that that scene is more than just that specific scene. That This movie, and this gets into a larger thing that this does, right? This movie is very patient with you, and it's very patient in its fucking with your head and making you wait and wait. It's less patient than it is sadistic. And wait those things for a while. oftentimes go together. And then it shows you what it wants to show you, but it makes you wait, and it ratchets up the tension until it gives you that release. So there this is are, probably are the best Are you just kind scene. of talking about how you have to wait a couple minutes until you actually see the decapitated head? Well, that's that's the payoff, is that it shows you everything, and that's like, holy, sure. uh, but like, even you know what happened. That, I mean, it happens, and it's literal minutes of silence and nothing but him breathing. No well, score. Well, yeah, then he drives home, nothing. and it's quiet, and he goes to bed, there and it's no quiet, and his mom gets up, minutes. and it's quiet, and yeah. then she goes out to the car, and then it's not quiet, and then head. Yeah. So there's a, there's a very, very long buildup that that scene... There's like a miniature, there's a little false summit that happens. Not a false summit because you could tell the girl got her fucking head cut off. Yeah. Uh, but then it makes you wait even longer and then it hits you again. And I think that's pretty this cool. This movie uses silence fantastically. Yeah, you know what he should have done when he got home uh, was eat an entire pie for like five minutes on screen. That really would have <laughs> sold this for me. I don't really understand the joke you're making. I a think it's a story. reference. It's, it's, it's a, a callback to Ghost uh, Story, which is a terrible movie and no one should watch it. I would just like to reiterate that. This is the time and place for that, yeah. <laughs> and actually, this is the time there is and place there for is that. some echoes. Like these these movies are sort of competing in my head a little bit because this is a very good example of this is something this movie does right. It does handle grief and the handling of loss much better. Yep. And that was the entire fucking thesis statement of a ghost story. And this one, it's well, not it's- even like the point of this movie, and it does it so much better. Although, I mean, I've read I some arguments and kind of initially thought after we saw it in theaters that it might be the whole point of this movie. That it might be like a Babadook thing where grief and loss and pain is all that this movie's about. And nothing supernatural actually happened. I think, well, it's, I think, I think it's a non-zero factor. I mean, it's, it's definitely yeah. built into it, the... If it's not in the direct story of the script, it's built into sort of the metaphorical side of the script. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, this movie heavily... This movie is mostly a family drama. They're just... It, there happens to be this cult thing swirling around that ultimately that's how the movie ends. But by and large, this is a family drama. Do, this okay. is about grief. Do we come down on the side of this being supernatural? I think I come down on this is a supernatural thing that happened. My yes. My philosophy on these movies is I take the script literally at face value. And then, so, I mean, so yes, this is absolutely a supernatural. It's about a cult possessing a boy with the god king of hell or whatever but then i mean if you want to lump on any additional analysis on top then that's fine and that might have been what they were going for in the first place yeah but the story they told i agree and it's supernatural yeah it's kind of similar to the babadook like that and except a lot more people said the babadook is just grief and there's nothing supernatural happening than people say well that that movie has the whole it's all a metaphor well see that's that's exactly what i'm saying though is that movie is a ghost story period you can analyze it however you want, and if it says something more important than that, and what the ghost is representative level, of, that's fine. Yeah, but yeah. the story they told you was a ghost story. It's kind of a reverse allegory, right? Like it's a ghost story, and if you want to interpret the ghost story as being representative of depression, sure, go for it. Isn't that just, just literally what an allegory is? I think that's just a normal allegory. I think it's a reverse allegory. I don't Mark. think I so. Think it's I a rever- con- classic reverse allegory. No, this no. is begging a lot of questions. <laughs> It is. What else do we like about this movie? Well, I want to continue going in the direction that we were going in after talking about the decapitation scene. This is a first-time feature film director in Ari Aster here. 
Uh, wow. Holy Talk shit. Talk about framing a shot. Like, the way this movie begins with the dollhouses, and then you're, you kind of come in on that very, it feels very like this is stage acting, but there are so many scenes in this movie, and I want to talk a lot more about this, but there are so many scenes in this movie where it throws you so off by how willing this dude is to linger on what is already like a perfectly framed shot, but there are things that just happen, and they are there, and he doesn't give a fuck about making sure that you know that they are there, but they are there. They are there. And it's fucking weird. There's a combination of just unreasonably cool shots to begin with if they were just a shot by itself. Yeah. And unremarked upon things happening in the background of said shots. Yes. Right? So there's a few key just beautiful cinematography shots. I'm thinking of the upside-down shot, right? I'm thinking of the the... The, the whole decapitation scene shot mm-hmm. where he's driving mm-hmm. down the, the mm-hmm. really rapid shift from it's really low at the bottom of the car to like emphasize that urgency and hopelessness. And then it's really fucking zoomed out when it happens to emphasize like, nope, this is it. You're alone. You're alone out here and it's over. And that urgency is gone. And that I think you, you go with that as the viewer from this urgency of she's an anaphylactic shock. Holy shit to now it's just a wide angle shot of this car on a deserted road and you're she's dead and there's nothing you can fucking do about it. And the shots really emphasize that. And then during what, I mean, spoiler alert for our ratings, we'll get to is one of the scariest sequences. I think in all of horror history towards the end, the light and shadow use in that on, on the kid's face is and the darkness in the background is so fucking good. Hmm. They do every single aspect of photography. Correct. <clears throat> Including editing, which I, I mean, yeah. I guess is kind of a tertiary thing. But just to pile mm-hmm. on what you have already been talking about, I think one of the most interesting shots, probably the most emblematic shots of this entire movie, is zooming in through the miniature house over the dolls, yes. uh, the doll of the grandmother's shoulder, staring at Tony Collette. That shot is fucking brilliant. Holy fuck! And you know it's the other insane. thing. The other thing he does multiple times throughout the movie, they love that external shot of the house, which, by the way, is is up in uh, Utah. Uh, this like whole thing was filmed in Salt Lake City, right? Not Salt Lake City, up in the no. up in the Wasatch Front, um, but close to Salt Lake City. But and and the high school was the high school in Salt Lake, right? West. Oh, it was West. I actually didn't look into that. Okay, uh, that's yeah. They, well, yeah. they called it West, didn't they? I, I don't know if they called it West. I think but they it called it by its name, Jack. Well, shit. My dad went to high school there briefly. Uh, so we have West, which is the apparently the high school from Hereditary, and we have East, which was the high school from High School Musical. So which one do you want to go to? <laughs> oh, shit. No, my dad went to the High School Musical one. Okay. Maybe they're the same. I don't know. Anyways, the, the other thing I was talking about, though, was they love that external shot. It's a great shot. But what he does with it in a lot of the later scenes is he shoots it in a tilt-shift focus, which well, makes— Mark, Mark— is there a possibility that West and East high schools are the same high school? No, they or are. That's 100% the important different. thing to focus on. They're, they're that's the important thing. Very to focus different on. high schools. Right. The possibility there is that I one of us fucked up and one thing is shot in a different one than the other. I can tell you or right now that one. this was not filmed at East High School in Salt Lake. Okay. Yeah. So to get back cool. to the point I was making, they they filmed those shots, or I I don't think they did at the beginning, but as you transition toward the end, they start filming it as a tilt shift shot. Which, if you're unfamiliar with it, it's a way of shooting that makes everything look like a miniature. So even though you're shooting the outside of the actual house that they're in, it looks like the dollhouse. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're not mm-hmm. just talking about like a Dutch angle. No. It's absolutely not a Dutch angle. Those are completely different things. 
I, I know, but when I, I just say that for the benefit of a, a a listener, me, before reading the Wikipedia page about this movie, who would assume that like a tilt shift shot is just like a Dutch angle. Uh, right. They're not just tilting or shifting. They're bo- doing both. They're tilting and shifting. <laughs> uh, they tilt and shift. So, no, it's actually, and you can actually just apply it in post. I don't know if they shot it directly or if they did it in post, but either way, there is a, you know, a concerted effort on their staff to make this house look like a dollhouse. And I think yeah. that's... No, totally. This is something that we'll come back to, I think, later. I'm not sure I fully understand the motif of the dollhouse vis-a-vis the cult. I think it's just kind of an additional thing they throw on there. I need to see this movie four or five vis-a-vis. or seven more times. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. I still oh, so like that times. they stuck to the motif, even if it is itself not particularly meaningful. Sure. And you touch on something there that I really like about this movie, which is this is my second viewing of this one. I want to view more, but this is my second viewing and benefited from repeat viewings. There's shit you don't catch the first time. 100%. Around. It's fantastic when you watch it the first time, right? There's a lot of stuff going on. Catch more shit the second time. I liked watching this at home by myself more, no In offense to you, than at the theater. But it's like it's not like it's lacking in the interesting stuff to focus on the first time around. No, but you miss things because you're kind of just trying to piece things together. Now Definitely. you know the general beats, right. so you can take in the intricacies of the shots. It, that's the that's emblematic of a really good directoral eye. Yeah, and, so. and specifically what I'm thinking of here is the one I noticed the most, the, the biggest shift for me noticing, besides the like plot elements of what the grandmother was doing and pressuring people yeah. into, besides that, was the... I would describe it as like a – I would recreate it by flashing my watch at something like the watch reflection light mm-hmm. to represent payment as it's doing its thing mm-hmm. like and moving from body to body. I didn't notice that the first shot. And that like really cool light flutter that I think is practically done, I'm going to guess is practically there done. There ain't no know. goddamn way that light flutter is practical. Okay. Then, then it's uh, whatever, digitally done. It's really fucking cool. Uh, that one's gonna come up a little bit later for me, dog. <laughs> okay, well maybe we're talking Ain't no about goddamn things. way that we're was talking about the, the the like the one specific spot of light moving around that looks like it could be recreated. He's not by talking. Shining your watch. He's not talking about the wall of blue. Yeah, that's not what white I'm talking light. About. Yeah, yeah, I'm talking about the white shimmery thing that like guides him toward the principal's office and then like appears in his back. When no, he's not that the payment and shit. I think that those are supposed to represent the same thing. I'm talking about two different as. Uh, uh, Two, two different, different recreations of that. Yeah, I see. Yeah, okay. Yeah. While we're talking about the photography here, and I, I should have looked up who the director of photography was. I don't know if they had a specific one for this movie, but uh, How dare there's you. another thing in the, that this movie does that you don't see too frequently in the horror genre. Very vivid and phenomenal use of color. There's very Fuck, yeah. there's like these super Say drastic more? shifts in saturation levels of some of them are like super yellow. Some of them are super green. They were kind of trying to highlight the springtime. It seems like when they were outside the house. So they focus on the white aspens with the green leaves. But then when he's in the high school, it's super blue. And when they're at the, uh, I think they're at the grandmother's funeral, it's all yellow. And again, this is something I need to go back and like figure out if they're trying to associate certain colors with certain characters or certain things that are about to happen. But it does seem oh, – oh, and the red light in the in the uh, treehouse, too, is another kind of yep. nice – That comes back in his eyes when, like, payment's first in him. Yeah, exactly. So I think they were trying to tell this larger story also just through the use of color, which is something that you see and, like, is really incredible. And if I'm going to advocate any movie that we watch on this podcast be seen on Blu-ray, I'm going to tell you this one is probably at the top of the list. 
uh, for exactly that. that reason. Because when you're looking at it yeah. in like your home theater system and like you're just awash in this color and you kind of look around at things like outside of your TV and your like lamps and your cat and your wife and whatever, and they're just like purple, you're like, oh, that's kind of cool. Hey, Mark, I have a question for you as a, as a legitimate dummy. Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't, okay. Blu-ray versus like 4K streaming versus like whatever kind of streaming I can do. What's the difference? Well, there are and a can lot of I them. do 4K streaming? And do I have it? You can. Do you have a 4K screen? Yes, I do have a 4K screen. I have and a 4K can... capable screen. Okay, but I also have shitty internet. Like you're kind of breaking up right now as we talk. Uh, so I believe so... I believe Netflix's requirement for a 4K stream is 25 megabits per second. Um, and you have to have the <laughs> actual. You rate broke man. up while you were saying this is that, great so I radio. Don't think I have that. Yeah. Uh, like, and you, I, I you also legitimately... specifically have to have the plan, but also streaming 4K is a little bit different than 4K because they still have to compress it to send it to you. So, like, I I'm still an advocate for the physical disc. I like right, it a what lot. I'm, what I'm asking is, there's a legitimate difference in watching this 4K versus whatever the fuck I could do. Um, well, for, you're focusing on the wrong thing. Notably, I do not have a 4K Blu-ray player, so I watch this in 1080p on Blu-ray. But what you, I mean, it, it all comes down to the quality of your of your screen, really. Because if you have, okay. like, HDR, HDR is the thing we should be talking about with color, right? If you have the high dynamic range screen, then the colors are, are deeper and there's more of them. And, you know, talk this to has become local... boring and incomprehensible to me. Okay, cool. Well, I'm glad you asked the I'm question. I'm super happy you asked it. Well, yeah. look, I didn't think I'd get all... Ah, fuck. You know what? I have a way of saving us. While we're on the topic of viewing experience... This is something that this is another thing that a lot of these movies should do that they don't do that this one did to great effect surround sound. Do you guys have surround sound? Did you watch this with surround sound? I watched it with over the ear headphones this time around in theaters the first time. So I guess both yes. Okay. I don't I don't know no. how well it comes through in theaters, but like they do a lot of the 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 clicking sound that she does with her mouth, the mm-hmm. thing. That like, happens yeah. directly behind your head when you have surround sound most of the time. There's a few other things that were like that did happen in the behind theater. you, and it like legitimately freaked me out. <laughs> that that was a thing I remember from the theater was how yeah. well that was. Yeah, yeah, that traveled. For yeah, sure. yeah, they do. And a great in job over the ear headphones, a little bit less good, but still very good. I mean, I'm sure, but there's only so much you can do to make a sound come from behind you when you're wearing over the ear headphones. Right. I'm not knocking it. I mean, the sound quality in general is pretty good, but like, if you want the next level, get some speakers behind you. Get that 5.1. Yeah, no, in in theater, it was wild. Yeah, so Tony Collette's performance is something this movie does. How do we make it this far without talking about that shit? Well, I don't know. We we got immediately into the visual elegance of this film. She's what carries this movie from beginning to end. She does a great job. Everyone's already said this. That's talked about this movie. Is she's going to get an Oscar. Or I don't know. She no. deserves an Oscar. She I don't even know if she's going to get nominated, not nominated for an she Oscar. She better get nominated. She got nominated from like six cents. I think she can probably do it again here, but she's not going to fucking win. She no should chance. win. She's not fucking Get winning. out one. We're horror. Horror is. Uh, she's not going to win. Fuck. Jack. She should. It's unreasonably good. And it's also. Yes. It also, to me, feels very, very accurate, or at least as accurate as I've seen described in film. Uh, for a person like dealing with serious depression and other mental issues, like she it's has reasonably to do good. a lot of a different things. Told me right. There are a lot of gymnastics accurate. here. What's that? I said a friend told me it was an accurate portrayal of depression. Yeah, a friend told me that. <laughs> 
Uh, but this for real, so that's a serious issue. We probably shouldn't belittle it. But yeah, she does a just a fantastic job portraying a brutal character, like doing her absolute best, struggling with emotional issues, and then also genuine grief issues, and also like supernatural shit, probably. Like that's a really weird combination of shit to be dealing yeah, with. Yeah, this whole movie is like, it goes through a period of time that would be really weird to deal with. Right. And, and she's had a weird life, it sounds like. And she does it all believably. And she does it all as, from yeah, the as range. as believably as you can. She does it all from the range of the scene where she sees, she thinks she sees her mom, slash she definitely sees her mom in like yeah. the moonlight and then turn the lights on and she's gone. So she sees this ghost and she's like rattled and kind of she plays it very understated all the way to the end of the movie where you have just a close up. Her face is the entire screen zoomed in on her screaming her fucking lungs out and then becoming possessed. Yeah, that from that is that is a zero to 60 type of she hits everything in between there. So it's a, it's a really oh, yeah. phenomenal no. tour de forest performance. The, the, this yeah. movie is the transition. Right, you're watching her transition, and it's fantastic. Let's well, see a lot of movies. That's another thing that we could talk about. We we kind of have, but in the the realm of acting and in the realm of character development, a lot of movies are about this. Totally, they are about a character transitioning from being dealing with shit, but you know, holding it together to being completely unhinged. Right. Not many do it this well. No, no, almost none do. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. And and for me, the, the one scene that exemplifies it unreasonably well is when she's up in her miniature workshop working on shit, right? Uh-huh. And the, the, the dad comes up and he's like, are you going to fucking come down for dinner? And she's saying, oh, yeah, I'm making dinner shit. tonight. And he's like, no, I already fucking made dinner. Yeah. And are you going to come down or not? And she just goes back to her shit and kind of mumbles some stuff. And it's so just like, oh, God, fucking. But they focus on her in a lot of movies. They would focus on the the characters experiencing that kind of shit but they they uh-huh. focus on her and still have believable experiences like around her and that's a really wild way to do that and super effective uh while yeah. we're on the topic of performances we might as well also shine a light on the fact that both kid performers do a pretty phenomenal job here really yeah the, the I don't the, know how I feel about Alex Wolf's yeah the girl does a very good job she doesn't she has well, a lot to do I mean, she totally agree, but are you, do you actually not think that uh that the son Alex Wolf does a good job? I thought he did he he almost It stole might the movie, be less like. of an acting issue and more of like an I don't understand his character issue. So part so of So it, it might be a writing thing. Part of this is that Well, not, yeah, I mean, I don't understand is, the choice. I'm not prepared to talk I, to it. I legitimately don't know this. Is he American or not? Because Pretty sure he is. If he is, then I think he's putting on an Irish accent sometimes when he's seventy five percent of the movie. Thing? I thought he was the kid in Death Note, but it's the kid in Death Note's brother. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, they look fucking. I, I legitimately, like, if, fucking... if he's American, he's doing a weird accent at some points, and I don't understand why he's maybe he's trying to do an accent for possessed scenes. I don't really get it. But Payman was accent... famously Irish. Yeah, he's from New York. City. He's from New York. Okay. Yeah, which is a so, cultural melting pot. Totally, very so, Irish place. <laughs> maybe that's the thing he's trying to do. It's just his accent got distractingly un-American at certain points. I, I, I don't know. I, I, did I think not even remotely. I think at that. the end of the day, I had more issues with the character than with the acting. But I'm not prepared to talk about him yet. The dad has some acting stuff. Maybe it's line reading stuff. But he has one line that I was going to bring up in Nitpick Station. 
well, then this isn't the time and place for it. Nope, it isn't. We're still in. We got it. Okay, boys, we it's got been too long. To we, move. Wait, we, this, well, hey, this movie question, does a lot quick right. Question, quick question before no. we transition. Gabriel Byrne's better performance was it this or was it Ghost Ship? Ghost Ship. <laughs> So, okay, there you go. There's a really the definitive answer. Question. I mean, <laughs> honestly, though. <laughs> no, the problem with this one is that he does a performance, but he's so overwhelmingly overshadowed that I prefer him in Ghost Ship. <laughs> well, no, yeah, I mean, okay. he's just he just plays the straight man. But yeah, he is totally, he's basically a quaternary character in a movie that yeah. has like three characters. Yeah, it's fucking outrageous. So, uh, so Ghost Ship. I, Ghost I have Ship. one more really quick what it does right. God damn it. I think the, 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 the very quick intro is a really cool play on the Xbox position that usually happens in these kind of movies where it's like a clip like newspaper clip of an obituary it's it's believable exposition it's the kind of exposition you need but it doesn't feel like exposition i like that a lot that's cool and unique i agree i like the way they handle that, that should, that's actually that i'm always in. very interested in learning how burgeoning filmmakers handle and and actually seasoned ones handle the expositional aspects of stuff mark loves mark loves seeing story told through newspaper clippings well like, He's the on fucking, the record. like the shining doesn't do it right so like the, the fact that they got that right is cool well and i mean the only thing they do here is the intro whatever snippet thing the obituary yeah. Yeah. Read no bit from the newspaper. Yeah, like they don't use it to tell the entire fucking story over the end credits. Like, wish you were here or whatever. The, we are still here. I, whatever the fuck. I like that he called. knew the thing. Based he on got the close. One thing. He got close. Yeah, yeah. he knew that what was I was fucking talking about. terrible story choice that we don't need to get into right now. Let's talk about what this movie does. Middle. I have nothing here. Nothing. Nothing here at all. Um, I have a few things. Give me one. Give me one. I am. I am very unclear One thing. as to how the parents found out about Charlie and also what Peter's plan was to drive home after the the decapitation scene. Charlie's the daughter. Yeah. Peter's the Peter's the son. Yes, My, I understand this. Well, I'm just clarifying because we haven't really said the I, names. Yet, I don't think you have to clarify that Peter's the son. The only, literally, the only name we've said so far is Tony Collette. So I think we have we said her name. Have we, we have said have her said name? Tony Collette, and her character's name is Annie. Thank you. So <laughs> okay. Yep. My question is so. Your little sister's decapitated body is in the back seat. Yes. You just drive home, presumably with the body still in the back seat, and then you just so, go upstairs. No, it like, wasn't this, even presumably; it just was. No, no. This, this is an interesting thing that I that changed for me from first viewing to second viewing. That's what I thought happened on the first viewing. Second viewing, I saw it more as a, a just a. A montage of how they found out about it and like she they figuring it out and all that shit. I don't I don't think it was literally the fact that she's in the bedroom when she what collapses he... like that doesn't indicate to me that she she found out about it later, right? She didn't go out so she to the just car. collapsed for no reason? No, no, no. She she founds out about it that night when she gets a call. I think it's a weird time interspersed montage of him coming home and them finding out about it. The first time I saw it, I did literally think that he just came home and did nothing about it. So what do we think he did do? I think he came home and told them, or I think he called the police from where it happened. And they You're giving the this parents. kid a lot of credit. I don't know. I, he basically the, would have had to, right? Because otherwise they just find a decapitated child and he drove home high alone. I mean, there there would be more of a police presence. I feel like if he didn't. Oh, that do what I mean, Jack that's something saying. I have in what the movie does wrong. There should be what, regardless of what happened. There's more investigation happening here, but I think he called the police. They called the parents. The scene you see is her after the phone, and then it's just a transition of him being fucking dead inside, like trying to go to sleep after everything's calmed down. I don't think it's literally 
he just came home and walked inside, and that was the end of it. So the I did reason think that was a weird choice on his the, part. The reason the reason that this goes in does middle is because I think it's a really good representation of sort of the shock and numbness that would accompany something like that. But also right. from a storytelling standpoint, basically nonsense. I have one right. other thing here, which yeah. is I did a bit of reading afterward, and maybe that was to the detriment of this overall podcast. But so the theory out there that the filmmakers are trying to that are are basically like talking about in interviews and stuff is that Payman was in the girl Charlie the whole time, mm-hmm. right? And then that's why Grandma wishes that she was a boy mm-hmm. because Payman likes boys because of masculinity or something. Well, because Payman's but, a boy. But Peter came first, so why didn't they put? I, did I just miss something? This is this. We're getting into the basically. My point here is that this is a very convoluted story. Can it be the first? Can it be the firstborn? Is that a thing? Why would I mean, it not it be, be able it, to be the firstborn? It first ends born? up being him. No, but can it be? So look, well, I, Jack's I point is a good it. one. It ends up being the firstborn. So yes. It can be. Maybe it can't be originally. I ascribe that to to this time as Tony Collette tried so hard not to have him, right? That it something screwed it up. And look, you you have to read a lot of. Backstory. She aborted payment. You have you have to. She aborted payment. You have to read a lot of backstory in there. But there is. I mean, it it doesn't ring untrue to me, which is I think why you put it in what it does middle, Mark. If I may speak for you. Yeah, I mean that's what I was hoping you would do. Yeah. <laughs> but like you know what I mean so she says I didn't want to have you it was all fucked up and I, I tried everything I could and my impression is that something in that caused that to not be a good host for him I mean and she does then, have a line in there that says she didn't allow her her mother to have to sink her claws into her son but also like right the whole point of this movie is that if everything is preordained and like this has been a you know a 15 year or probably multi-decade effort to resurrect the king of hell. I don't really know if like a single mother could probably, you could just prevent payment from being well, inserted into her son. Well, I think, I think that discounts like the importance of the grandmother, right? The cult has so much shit worshiping the grandmother and her role in all this. And if the grandmother was there and that important, and this is why the first time in however many hundred of years payment could get across, but then her daughter mm-hmm. fucked it up and prevented it by mm-hmm. being a little bit strong and then was psychologically broken down to the point where she couldn't do it for the daughter is how I interpreted it. So what we're saying as a podcast that Jake is tacitly endorsing is that we want to see a hereditary prequel. I would watch the shit out of a hereditary prequel. <laughs> I'd be interested how that would go. Could it be less than 130 minutes long? Because that's something uh, this movie does middle. Because I can watch this and not complain about it being 130 minutes long. Yeah, it's only because it's a good movie. Yep. Rating spoilers. Yep. Uh, this movie's too long. It's too. I, there, there, there is, is it some, too long. There is some. Look, you're not trimming fat. Like you're really getting in there, like a fucking master sushi chef. Right. But there's it requires fat. Masterful editing. There's to cut fat this thing to down. be trimmed. Still, there has to be. There's no reason. I'm not a proponent of like there are certain masterpieces, this opus that like needs to be this long, like your Ben Hur and like no, fuck that shit. Tell me a story, get in, <laughs> get out. Ben Hur certainly isn't it. Ben Hur's not it. It's long. <laughs> it's long though. It's really long. The yeah, movie, no, too, the is, movie is too long. I, I agree with you. I, I think that a Ben Hur's also like seven hours long. Much smarter 
editor than any of us could fucking like maybe the best editor on the planet. Than any of us, we're not editors. It would take like even a stupid editor. Yeah, and we're, we're not even editors. Well, yeah, we're, hey, we're, hey, hey, we're done. We for edited people. a very well received parkour movie one time. We won a film we won festival. A film festival, Mark. We are film. I think festival we won two winners. different film festivals. No, we did. We won we one win film that festival. Year. Oh, Jake and I had a whole conversation it. about breaking this down. We broke it down, Mark. I'm sorry. For our future, I, did, I didn't want to undersell our own our own editing skills. Is all I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, we we edited a very very tasteful two and a half hour long podcast just last week. <laughs> Too fucking long. Uh, and that, I mean, <laughs> that's, that's what I'm talking about. Too, to the trailer. Do you guys remember talking about the trailer and how just phenomenally well edited it was? I still think that's the best trailer of the year. Probably the best trailer I've it's seen. It's one of the, the best trailers I've ever seen. Yeah. It's and one of the I best mean, trailers I've ever seen. It's probably because they let their editor get his hands on it or her hands on it. I really it hope so. I mean, more more Look, films need to do that. Don't go with an outside production company. Like, just no. get your film editor to edit it. Yeah, put out a trailer like that. This is interesting, actually. I actually like. There's a whole side conversation, sidebar, like about segment. how the industry works. No, well, sort of actually. Yeah. About no, that I want to have about this movie and marketing and other movies. That's interesting. And marketing. Okay. Yeah. Save it I for a fourth that. segment, bud. I, I think we have to about. move to what the movie does wrong. Just yeah, because I feel like we've actually moved back into what the movie does right, and we're moving in the wrong direction. So well, it's hard to do middle. And, it's and, it's and, oh, what's to do wrong? This is gonna be a short fucking segment. I don't have much. Is that okay? Okay. Uh, I just I'm gonna start off with the weird light ring effect thing, the floating fucking Tinkerbell light effect of Damon floating around the universe. That's a problem. The one that's yeah. down the hallway is the most egregious. That is the worst on one. And that's the one that's clearly not practically yeah, done. But in a movie that looks so good, when you have a bit that's like that, it's going to stick out like a sore thumb. And in and it other does. scenes where you did it so well and clearly based on just shining or reflecting a light off of yeah. something, the fact that you couldn't do it in every scene is egregious. In addition to the hallway well, one, hard I would throw on to... top when, when Peter throws himself out the window and he lands face down and then the thing just like and it goes up the... teleports into his back or whatever. Yeah. That's also That's fucking the dumb. Only scene I had to actually talk about and what it does wrong. Well, would you Peter like jumping out the window it? scene? Uh, yeah. So the whole jumping out the window scene, it's in in a movie that's so careful about everything else. It's very obviously breakaway glass, which is fine. Like that's that's all fine diving through that shit. But in a scene that's so careful about everything, yeah, that scene isn't filmed with the same kind of care. And do then you think it's an him- homage to like Texas Chainsaw Massacre and? movies of films horror films past because i feel like that is pretty to other scenes where people jump out of a window window. if it is if it is an homage it's an out of place homage so it's still wrong like you can be an homage and not fit the rest of the tone of the movie yeah Yeah, i think it was an homage to jackie chan actually (laughs) throwing himself out of a lot of windows yeah uncle it's funnier than mark acted it was funny i'm gonna start gesticulating at him Start pointing at Mark. Stop pointing at me. Jesus. No, keep keep pointing at Jack. Point as much as you can at Jack. But look, that's that's the scene that really was because also it's the culmination of the movie, right? There's no plot left to happen. Yeah. There's no scares left to happen. All there is left for me to focus on is how bad the light you get effect to see works. you get to see Tony Collette's decapitated body floating into a treehouse. Yeah. 
I guess. Well, and actually, I mean, I would argue there's still a substantial amount of story left to happen because they basically explain what happened throughout the movie. (laughs) They kind of explain everything after that. Okay, so how how do you guys feel about that? Because a lot of people think that like this thing ends too abruptly and too just all of a sudden horse shit. And I totally oh for for a hundred and thirty minute movie it ends too abruptly, huh? And I disagree with all of the people that say that. I think so. So this is something that the horror genre does that like I honestly feel like you kind of need to prepare yourself for. I go back and I think about what I thought of movies that I watched that were horror before we started this whole thing, where I didn't go in with the right mindset, and it that that's just a trick of horror storytelling where you basically get the person to the final act and then you just leave it. You just drop the bone in the yard and they're allowed to say, okay, now there's the king of hell and he's just, he's going to West high school, (laughs) you know? (laughs) I totally disagree that that's what this movie's doing though. There's no way he's doing that either because he, his whole fucking family's dead. This movie gives you, both of any possible world you could want. If you are more on the ambiguous train, this absolutely could be a movie about grief and a fucked up son who fucks everything the fuck up after his family goes to shit. If you want specificity, how does he fuck? They give you payment stuff. He could have killed everybody done all the shit that happens here. No, I mean, based on grief and we'll get to some, we'll get to some payment based nitpicks in a minute. But like I, I love that this movie gives you the best of all possible ending worlds. I no, Jack, we are in agreement. I love the ending, but it is a horror movie ending. And the fact that this movie achieved beyond just the horror genre is I think the reason you're seeing this complaint. Because people are going to see it because it's getting a lot of acclaim and it's really good and there's like all these, you know, cool shots in it and all this stuff, and oh my god, you need to see it. It also came in the middle of the fucking summer, so there wasn't really all that much competition. Kinda so the fact made. that a bunch of people out there who aren't super immersed in the world of horror films saw this that's where this complaint is coming from because that is the narrative structure that horror brings to the table but people aren't particularly used to that's interesting yeah i like that i like that uh one last thing that i'm gonna go with does wrong look i love the decapitation scene which is a weird sentence to say Um, (laughs) no it's fine but that is an utterly preposterously stupid death mechanism. Do you know how fucking hard it would pole? be to decapitate someone by swerving off the road into a uh, telephone pole and not just flipping the car over? Mark, That's like blow fucking, the fucking whistle. Shit. Blow the fucking whistle. Yeah. Blow, blow the, the whistle. whistle. I have things to say. Okay, okay. Nitpick okay. station. It's it wasn't happening in my hand. Now. Hold on. <gasps> yep. Wow. We've also arrived at nitpick station because there's no fucking way you could decapitate somebody hanging out the window of a back door without first removing the mirror, and you hear no sounds of removing the side view mirror. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, if she was further out, it could. She's none further out. She her head is been. her head shape. Maybe they didn't show you. Maybe it was like a whole thing. Well, then you she defended, wouldn't You defended the way they cut the thing that happened immediately after that, so defend this. It's not. There's no... This was per- this was perfectly filmed, but then that then they took liberties right after. Out, there's no, it's not the decapitation is already know. a stretch. She probably just like gave it that little extra, uh, and then she was out there. But you can uh, see where her uh, head was. double up. 
Jesus. That that's a big problem. I don't know. I just like that's less of a problem to me than the fact that it was a fucking telephone pole that's the size of half of her fucking body that decapitates her somehow. Like have it be a wire or something. There are plenty of those on the side of the road. Have it be just a sign, like a speed have it limit be like sign. Your neck. Have it Set be up a wire trap. Well that would be a speed limit. Have it be something thinner than a wooden telephone pole that's like the circumference of the earth. A road sign on yeah. its side. Fuck like that. there's a lot of shit you could do. To make or it or just don't make it a fucking clean decap. Like honestly, the the blunt force trauma would have done it. You don't oh, need totally. a full but decapitation. But pavement had a whole decapitation. Theme, yeah, they really right? should have had Collette just like cuts her own head off with the wire. Yeah, to they, be they should have had like half a body that was just mush laying on the side of the road. And that's what they should have had. I know, but they had the Mushy they had body. the pavement decapitation theme, right? Pavement has to decapitate someone to move to a new body. They had that. Well, theme. but he didn't decapitate the first person, maybe. And then what? But if you're doing that, there's a lot of ways. What you if he got a little bit of shoulder? Believably, in there? decapitate happens? that body. What happens if he got some shoulder? Then he probably so, fails. I think mm. to summarize, we are generally just nitpicking the physics and construction of that scene because it's absolutely preposterous and it's one of the it's most bonkers. Scenes in the movie. It's bonkers. It's bonkers. Yes, accurate. Yep. Yes. Okay, I'm gonna move on. Yeah, Why you would you that. ever? Ever not have an EpiPen? If you're deathly allergic to something, you're going to have an EpiPen. I almost brought this up and just what the film does wrong. Yeah, Tony Collette's a terrible mom. different scenes. God. Go to the fucking funeral, a school, and a party without an EpiPen. Just have an EpiPen always. Terrible mom. Also, I'm going to throw this on top. If you're at a party, uh, a bunch of those kids are going to have EpiPens. You can just ask yeah. for an EpiPen. More than none are going to have some. I found this out a bunch of, about a bunch of my friends here in Salt Lake. Uh, we were having this conversation. Literally none of them are allergic to anything from like an anaphylactic shot standpoint. They all carry EpiPens. What? If, a lot of people just do. Yeah, you just fucking carry it. Because if a kid a gets stung by a bee in a park, you have your EpiPen. Like, whatever. Maybe it's because all your friends are fucking Mormons. They're just thinking your about the children. Your friends are heroes, Mark. They'd all be subway heroes if we lived in New York. Uh, I mean, they they just might be, but no, my they're point probably is, all just Mormons and have like eight kids, least, so one of them needs a fucking epipen. At least <laughs> I mean, you just said none of them. At least one kid at that party has an epipen. Oh, guaranteed, guaranteed, right? But also, they yeah. set it up in the first scene, and I didn't notice it as bad the first time I watched it. But they set up like, why'd you go to the fucking funeral without an epipen? Let alone anywhere right? else. You ever. should have an epipen in your purse, always, at all times. Just. Put it in your fucking suit blazers, like I do with pens. But yeah, no, keep it, keep it in your breast pocket on your shirt. Just stick don't it at me. I know that suits don't have blazers because if it's a suit, it doesn't have a blazer. Don't at me. Fuck you. No, 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 no. Jack. I've seen you. you wear your suit and then you wear you, you wear your suit and then you wear your blazer over your suit. Right. He's a double jacket. He's a double coat guy. It'll be a that's big what, trend. That's what a double breasted jacket is. I think. <laughs> exactly. Uh, that was a big one for me. I do not that was like a, that, that was, was a really a key really turning bad. point of the movie. I also, I mean, on that subject, I don't really think that the best course of action when your little sister is having an anaphylactic shock is to throw her in the back of your fucking station wagon and speed down some deserted highway somewhere, clearly away from a hospital. Where well, is this fucking house that it is completely look, what deserted? Look, bogus basin road here in Boise. It would still be closer to another house or something. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. That's one of the... Th- that's a but nitpick, that's, too. That, okay, Every, so that's, that's a teenage decision. Though, everyone right? in this movie is so fucking rich. It's like there's this rich person that is this... Well, these, these rich people that is this family that live way over here. And Her job is party. she's a miniature artist, right? She's, what does this guy do? Yeah. What's this guy do? Something fucking very wealthy. And then there's this other house that they're at a party at that also looks like a multi-million dollar fucking rich person home. What do they oh, do? Oh, yeah. 
that that house is bonkers expensive. Uh, it's baffling. Yeah, everybody's rich and they all live miles apart. It's the yep. American dream. Yep. Hey guys, I got another one. Um, this comes back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier. So if Payman is inside Charlie the whole time, why is the OG King of Hell allergic to nuts? And why is she like just this weird little kid? Like, why is she not some fucking demonic genius? Well, like, look, because like he Damon doesn't want to be. He doesn't pick the body, right? He just happens to be in her. He'd rather be in a male body. He'd rather be in a kid not allergic to tree nuts. She happens to definitely. Be, he like, would rather be in a kid. Neither of those. So he's just so so. He is one of the most like powerful forces in the universe, and he's just like along for the ride. Like he's not able to manipulate. Yeah, the grandma. Things? The grandma made it happen in like this progeny. My and, your progeny. And why is he not involved? Like, so he's he has why does literally he need nothing anyone to, do with to fucking get him there. Why does he need cultists to resurrect him? Why is he fucking a boot? Yeah, why is he a boot? So, I mean, that's my point, though, is if he's, like, literally Charlie. Charlie was never a person. It was always Payman. Charlie was a person. So that, so is Payman also sort of. inside Charlie? Yes. Isn't the theory that Charlie was, like, messed up looking because she was a demon the whole time or whatever? I don't think so, I think Jake. that was something. I think she just has a cleft palate and you're a dick. No, I'm serious. I saw this. It was like that was like a choice. Like they cast this actor to look different. Like, men's hey, man, show business is a hard place. They I mean, wanted to also, cast someone who didn't look normal, and they chose someone who didn't look normal, and they chose someone who didn't. I mean, her character didn't act normal. So I'm not saying her. Person they they does made this. her. They made her look significantly less normal than she actually looks. Absolutely. Oh, totally. Right. That's so why are you telling me I'm a men's activist? Because I'm saying this fucking girl looks like a demon. She looks like a fucking demon, Jack. <laughs> Get out of here. Mean. It's fucking snowflake. I mean. Conservative I, I am a cuck. I mean, you text God. me I'm a cuck twice, three times a day, at least five times a day. I'm gonna, I'm gonna k- keep this train rolling because I have a whole long string of these things related to payment vis-a-vis Charlie. Once payment is in vis-a-vis. Peter, so okay, let me say that again. Once payment is in Peter at the end, they still the cultists still call Peter Charlie. And I don't understand. If Payman's whole endgame was to get out of Charlie because he doesn't like girls and he likes mm-hmm. boys, mm-hmm. once he transfers into Peter, why would they still mm-hmm. call Peter Charlie and not Payman? Because Charlie's a better name than Peter. That's accurate. Ugh. That's an accurate statement. That is that was that was that honestly they, if, that sentence took a lot out of me. That was a hard if one. If they to had say. called him Pete Rock, it might have been better. I would have been uh, fine. Peter. I have the a better Pete nitpick Fox. than that. I have a better nitpick than that. Okay, now we're judging. Okay. We always judge the nitpicks. At one point, the dad says, instead of saying a normal human thing, he says, I'm going to look at my note here. What language is even that? Yeah, I remember that. Oh, I just wrote that down. And I thought language is even that. I'm glad I didn't say that. That's such a not like that's uh-huh. such a I just read the script the way the script is or read it wrong. And there was it was a good scene. So the editor didn't want to cut it. And like. But fuck, just say, I mean, get it right, guy. What language I don't, even I is that? I kind of, I'm going to defend this on multiple fronts here. First off, I think it's kind of silly in movies that you always, like, literally no one ever misspeaks unless it's, like, a narrative point that they misspeak. They but say that's true. Of, that's I misspeak mis- at that's critical a- times all the time. Go Jake, ahead, there are go more ahead, than 100 what, episodes what? of that happening. That's yeah, more see, than so he could do it per- once. You've never, Jack. like, just said two der- words in the opposite order. No, I do that almost daily. <laughs> yeah, Jack, we've done that probably five or six times already this podcast. 
So I'm going to go ahead and give them a pass on this one. It's just, it's such a blatant. That's a neat pick, actually. It feels actually. like such a blatant script thing rather than a character feels thing. Like a neat if it was written pick. that way in the script, then I'm impressed. I think it was honestly just that was the best take that they got out of the guy. What language even is that? I, I kind of like how genuine it is. Yeah. So that's what genuine. I'm Okay. So genuine for you. I know I know when the seance is happening, they think Tony Collette is losing her fucking mind, right? Yep. Both the dad and the son. But they've seen crazy shit happen and the dad is still just like pissed that she seems to be on this crazy train. This right? is one of Peter's oh, less she's, good scenes. She's going off the rails of the crazy train. I know yeah. she uh, she sure is. But like they've seen this They've seen shit move. They've seen stuff open. They've seen the candle explode. They have to be on board with the paranormal at this point, and they aren't. Yeah. At least the dad isn't. And just going to pile on top of that real quick, what fucking kind of medium just gives you a sentence that you say that you just you don't need the medium anymore? Is that a real thing? Obviously, it's not a real thing. Is Whoa, your door thing? just closed by itself. Is that even a thing that you would, like, consider? <laughs> uh, no. Okay. I, uh, that that hit me as preposterous. Like the I whole medium stuff is weird, but we're in demonology world, so fuck it. Yeah. Okay. That scene was one of Peter's last good scenes. Yeah. Uh, I, I, he... I just don't like that they they are like I'm gonna come down for this seance at three in the morning on a weekday, and then I was weird shit, uh, inexplainable stuff is gonna happen, and then I'm still gonna get mad at you for being crazy. I feel like those are incongruous things. I Look, it's hard to deal with grief, you know? This is all just a it's, metaphor. It's all a metaphor, Jack. Um, I, I have a touch pandemonium, one. you know what I mean, boys? I do know what you mean. You up. I was going to say, I have a nitpick that Jack is going to deliver, and I was just going to say the words, yeah. liftoch pandemonium. Jack, what are your takes? <laughs> liftoch. Why does this appear so prevalently throughout this movie? How many demonology sayings could you get? Like, just have it not be nonsense. None. And I like that there's there's an IMDb. It's like the third or fourth one on the page. There's an IMDb trivia thing that's like a bunch of things appear on the walls. One of them is liftoch pandemonium. Liftoch in old Hebrew means to open. Which then you just step back for a second. And you realize, oh, so they just wrote to open pandemonium. Somebody like a demonologist or a ghost or whatever the fuck you want wrote to open pandemonium on the wall for to no effect for like no that makes any reason. goddamn sense like some cultist came in and was like yeah i'm really gonna nail this one liftoch pandemonium hey guess what in 40 minutes you're gonna be really scared but what i i'm this naked guy and in 40 minutes you're gonna see my penis but you're right now you're gonna be really scared by what i wrote on this I wall mean, that's, that's what he's actually referring to to clarify <laughs> I like it as a general world-building background thing, but also it's one of those things that if you even spend like a modicum of time digesting it, it's a problem. Look, there there are a lot of these things. And Talk how about- many fucking languages are in this movie? You've got like Old Sumerian and Babylonian and Hebrew, apparently. and They want to make very clear that Payman's old. Payman's old as fuck, Payman's man. old as fuck. I have a question. Have Payman cultists always been like, powdering their genitalia like think about what it's like to get ready for the day as a payment cultist oh wait powder up. you gotta hold get up, up in there you gotta powder pause, up pause pause are you not regularly powdering your genitalia i live in a dry place it's a desert here that's true okay. 
I, I, mean, I am excessively sweaty, and I have to powder three, four times a day before I get nude. Oh, I don't. Okay. I mean, that that's what I was getting at is, like, you know, you got some swamp ass. You got to throw some powder on it. Yeah. Well, they're powdering up for sure. Boys, we had better go to ratings. Yeah. This is, yeah, we're talking about powdering asses, so. <laughs> and genitalia. And genitalia. Is an ass not a genitalia? We over at ADC Horror use a 1 through 10 rating system to rate the movies we watch. For one, think of how Drake would rate Josh's ability to forge doctor's notes. Please excuse Drake from doing this homework. He twisted his liver. And is unable to read, write, or bathe. Yours truly, the doctor. And for 10, think of how Chucky would rate how hard life is. Life is so hard, Tommy. Sometimes I think it's the hardest thing there Story is the first category to rate these movies. Uh, Mark, I guess you. You write the thing for story. I don't, I don't remember how You're this the, happens. It's your movie. It's your score. Okay, I'll start then. My, wow. My, my story. Eight. I'm giving it an eight for story. This is a really, really original story that, look, I, I'm not penalizing this thing in the story category a whole lot. It's just fucking fantastic it isn't so story dependent so much of this movie is not based on the story it's more based on the tension between the characters right which is why it's getting higher than an eight but holy shit I, i'm not finding a lot of faults with the story other than the fact that tony collette's a miniature artist and there's still a rich family so mark then you go mark then you go i gave it a five i actually so hold up Ooh. i actually think this is a worse than average story they fall into a lot of pitfalls here if you are to believe that payment was Charlie the whole time, we touched on this in, on nitpicks. Almost none of that makes sense. Also, we talked about why miniatures. There's no, there's basically no reason for the dollhouse motif. They just throw it in there because it's creepy. But ultimately, this is just a super convoluted story. I don't think it ultimately distracts from the overall quality, but. I do think that if you're just going to digest this down to what story is, okay, and maybe this is just a simple fact that I've only seen this once, but like, there's a lot of stuff here that is basically impossible to explain, even, even assuming that the cultists are, you know, worshiping a real demon. And that is wholly aside from the fact that the decapitation scene, which is the hinge point of the whole, like, second and third act doesn't make any fucking sense from a physics standpoint. Well, I'll agree with that, but that's not first and second act for me. It's part of the story where you say, Hey, this girl who is containing a demon that is only able to watch and not control any part of her body is decapitated because her brother swerved off of a road to hit a telephone pole. Uh, That's part they, of the story. They equally dis- disavow physics when they have Tony Collette just like hanging trying to cut her own neck off with piano wire. And no, 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 no. Cause like you can actually, you can have a ghost, like hang someone from a ceiling. Uh, if a ghost, there's Mark, if you're into what ghosts can do, you're not into physics. What you have to say is that ghosts would push the car toward the telephone pole to decapitate her, avoiding the side view mirror, and then immediately pull it back onto the road. So it doesn't swerve. Do you have a problem with that? I mean, ghosts can do a lot of things. 
Like, you're on the ghost train or you're not on the ghost train? I'm on the crazy train. Jake, Fair what do you get? Wow. Do you guys want to know what uh, circling the wagon sounds like? Did you give it a six and a half? It sounds like a six and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I agree with things that you have both said. I think ultimately my feelings towards this story score would more align with what Mark just said. My score is in the middle, so it is what it is. But really, like this, this is a family drama that has some really difficult, murky, weird hard to describe and frankly kind of nonsensical stuff happening around it that revolve around payment and the coming of this king of hell, right? That's what this story is from a scaffolding standpoint. That's kind of weird and it's not that new. The way it puts it together is new, but it's not necessarily the story that is new. I totally agree with that. I don't think this is a particularly unique story. I feel like that's a kind of parsing of story and writing that I I don't want to engage in. Jack does not want to engage in the writing of a story. Maybe we should, since these since these the first two categories are often conflated with each other, maybe we should just go on to immersion. Often conflated. World building and immersion is our second category. I'm giving it an eight for world building and immersion. It's unreasonably high for me it it took is it uh, yeah it took a hit no jack I, i'm gonna go ahead and just tell you it's reasonably high <laughs> okay uh, it took a hit for me on the second viewing because i honestly oh. didn't notice the first time we watched it the how tense the score is for the first i don't know 25 minutes of the movie when it doesn't need to be that i didn't notice watching it the first time it just actually made me tense <laughs> Yeah, but watching it for the second time, I was like, why the fuck are you, this, this shouldn't be happening. I should have noticed and been pissed off about this. It it doesn't need to be that intense of a score going on at what's happening at that point. And, but that's that and the dad saying weird lines and the son's fake Irish accent sometimes, apparently. Look, Alex, what was this? There's not good. a lot not taking me out of the world building immersion. I'm glued to the screen from start to finish for this unreasonably long movie. That's a, an important point. And I'm on board for it the whole fucking time. Okay. I, I'm the guy who hates movies being over 90 minutes. It's 130. And I, I didn't notice. It's a high. It's eight. It's not perfect. It's high. Mark. I gave it a seven and a half. Uh, this is phenomenal visual storytelling. We, belabored this at length earlier but i just wanted to add the fact that uh powell pogerel oh i'm gonna totally mess up this guy's last wow name. you are pogorzelski almost powell, certainly fucked it up powell pogorzelski is the yeah, director of photography slash cinematographer credited for this movie and i don't know where he ends and ari oster begins but together they painted a fucking picture and outside of that just ladies and gentlemen tony collette Good fucking work. The the performance she turns in is uh, truly incredible. It's something that we probably only see at best once a year, but probably honestly once a decade. It, uh, this was a truly phenomenal performance, and it adds the, immer- uh, the immersion and not so much the world building, just the immersion. Yep. Yeah. Well yeah. said, so, Mark. Thanks. Well, where, I also think the, the immersion is added to by the payment thing being legitimate demonology. Like you get the the kind of what Ghostbusters right did thing of you you. It feels like a real world, just building on a world that exists. Where are you detracting? Because like all you all you said was that the cinematography 
is immense and that Tony Collette has a once in a decade performance, and then you gave a seven and a half. Overall length of runtime? That's an is important a, one. Is a big problem. Yeah. Uh, and I assume, Mark, you're not totally discounting what I detracted it from. He is. Okay, fine. I think prob- I is. think narrative structure is also important here. We put them into different categories for a reason, but I do think Mark, there it's is a perfect rating over. system, and I won't listen to otherwise. But I do think there is bleed over between categories. If story affects immersion, then immersion decreases, right? So there are issues with the story that affect immersion and world building that are problematic. Namely, I heard seven, the, eights, nine. Namely, the overall scheme of the cult and the general convolution of the plot, which just like literally falls apart on even, like I said earlier, even a modicum of analysis. If the the point of the movie is basically hinges on this decapitation scene, and it's just not going to happen. Someone has an EpiPen. It's almost physically impossible to decapitate someone with a telephone pole, That's even if you're speeding happening. with their head out the window. It's not happening. It's not happening. And it's Jake! a two-plus-hour-long movie. Fucking say talking. your words. He's still talking. Uh, this movie's way too fucking long, but it's absolutely gorgeous, as Mark hit on. It's... It has one hell of a performance from Tony Collette as Mark hit on. Uh, this is a kind of, of a things. hard one because it's so long. It's so long. But everything else is great. I gave this a higher score than both of you. I gave this an eight and a half. I, I think that really what pulls me out of this movie is that it's really long, that there are some problematic elements, but ultimately that does not detract from my viewing of this as a horror experience enough to give it any lower a score. Yeah, before we before we move on, because we've all kind of shat on it for the same reason of of overall length. I want to clarify. Didn't. I don't think this movie should be any shorter. I do. Like Jake said, I, if there is, I mean, Jake said an editor can do better. I think that editor that can I don't do even know if that's is the fair. best editor that's ever. Yeah, lived. I don't even know if that's fair. But there's absolutely no reason your movie needs to be this long. I think it does. I think it needs the silences. It needs the development. I can't pick. If you can't pick a scene that's too long, then it's not too long. I don't think they needed as many scenes with the friend who ends up being her mom's, like, person. They could have chopped half of those, and you still would have gotten the effect of, like, she knew her all along. Like, you could have chopped five fucking minutes of that lady. That character is only on screen for, like, six minutes, so you just say Well, then chop five. I mean. Okay, well, that's one. That's a place to start. You could start there. You could start there. Jesus. Hey, if, Look, you start, I, if you start there and if you speed your credits up a little bit, you're talking about two hours instead of 130. You're doing good. You're doing good things. Get it going. Let's go. Scare factor yep. is our penultimate category here. And I might catch some flack for this, boys. You gave it a two. I gave it a 10. Gave it a 10? Hmm. This is a 10 on scare factor for me. This is a unreasonably good buildup with a combination <laughs> of hypothetically supernatural scares. You don't know if they're supernatural or not, but weird shit happening until stuff totally breaks down. And then you get the scene of the, the son waking up in the bed and the mom crawling along the walls and fucking with him at every end. And, and that, that is one of the all time great scenes in horror. I think that will almost never be displaced. Tony Collette crawling on a wall. Tony Collette crawling on a wall. And crawling on the wall, and, and then also just swimming around in the air. Look, that first scene where she's clearly on a wire rig, just moving around, is 
really scary, not great effects in terms of her. I the no, way no, no, she's no. I, moving. I for the record, I disagree. I actually love the choice they made to have her just kind of floating around and like moving and like she's in a swimming pool. I, I like that a lot too, but I don't like that it's different from when she's like pinned to the wall in the next scene, and then you get a jump scare of the naked dude, which is a fucking crazy thing that it's just like jesus what oh my god and the tony Which also still that's in not the like corner? a real dude that's not a ghost he's just getting charged by a naked dude right yeah, got right? Powder he's charged by a pantsless dude yeah powdered his dick up this fucking crazy that's why that's why up. it's a 10 and this then tony powdering his dick and then tony collette's gone right and then the the corner jump scare the corner jump scare might be the best jump scare i've ever seen the corner jump scare might be the Best jump scare you've ever seen. Yes. Do you know what I'm talking about when I say the corner jump yeah. scare? I yeah. It's when he first that wakes best. up and she's behind him and you don't really see her at first and then you notice that she's there. Is that what no. you're talking about? That's no. not what I see. No. Oh, because I love that about. scene. That scene's great. Um, That scene's great. So but what's not the corner what jump scene then? Because... Ah, this is scarier than anything in that movie. Oh, God. Mark, He's talking without moving his lips. I think it's my internet's fault, but you're four or five seconds delayed from your audio. Your audio and video are distinctly that separated That was so right crazy. Now. I hadn't looked at you and in a while. And you were saying a whole sentence, and your mouth was not moving. And, and, but you were moving, but your mouth wasn't. It was really fucking freaky. Am I frozen? Or am I Oh, my God. No. Oh! oh, I hate it. You're delayed. Oh, my God. Now I can see you talking about how frozen you are. Oh, it's the worst. <laughs> oh you're le- you're legitimate. You're legitimately five seconds delayed. So are you talking about the scene where he, Peter wakes up and she's behind him and there's like a bunch of shadow and shit and like you then see her move and she swims out the room behind him. Is that what you're talking about? Or what no, you- no, no, no. So that's, that's the start of what is, I think one of my favorite all time scariest sequences in horror, but that's not the scene I'm talking about. So I'm talking about after all that shit happens, right? After all that happens, after she's in the really top of the room, and then you see her in the background, but he doesn't see her. Then there's the naked people. All that shit's happening. Then she's gone. You don't know what the fuck's happening. The camera then pans around, and then it's a ju- she's there in the corner, and it's a jump scare, and she actually attacks him. That's the corner scare. No, I see what you're saying. Okay, so but the general kind of the overall culmination sequence. of that scene. I right, you. the culmination of that scene is what I talk about when I mean the corner scare. I see. Um, I'm gonna, it just, might I'm just be, throw look, it it, it's, it's on my pantheon of all-time best scares of my whole fucking life. Sorry. It's a good sequence. It's a very good sequence. I gave it a seven. I like the, there, you, like you said, there's great builds to the individual scares. They, I think, specifically didn't try for the traditional jump scare type stuff, which I enjoy. And also, I feel like the use of ants in this movie is uh pretty like it's got like that creepy crawly spine tingly stuff you know what are um, you penalizing it for again i i don't sup i mean honestly this is gonna come back to i i don't think this wants to think. be a thrill a minute 10 scare factor i do not object to your rating at all but i also but don't know if they want it scary. to be a absolute scariest movie you'll ever see they inject things that are purely just family drama as a means of separating that out i i and as a result of that i think it averages out to become a seven but it's kind of like i mean so i think i've only ever given another 10 to one other movie the blair witch project and i think you need 
scenes where nothing's happening. You need those build-up scenes for me to get to a 10 at least in the way I view stuff. I I mean, I hear what you're saying. This is a subjective category. The way this hit me, I did not find it anywhere close to a 10 from a scare factor. But I'm glad that you gave it to it because I do think it deserves that type of chops. And this okay. is, I mean, yeah, it's a yeah. subjective category. It comes down to like how it hits you when you watch it. And I'm going to be re-watching this yeah, one, it, so maybe I'll re-weigh in on it in the future. Yeah. Jake? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to try not to take too much more time. I'm the third guy here. I gave it an eight. I think that what you guys have said is accurate. This is a scary movie. I, To Mark's point, this is what I will talk about. The second time that I saw it, there were more things that a shot, we mentioned this like right at the top, a shot will linger on something that it is showing you, but the first time you don't necessarily see it. But the second time you go through, you will see it, and it's there if you want to see it. And that is creepy. Fuck yeah. Because unsung, you... unsung hero shot of the movie was the original scare where Tony Collette sees her mom in the shadow. That's a, In retrospect, that's a really Well, there are more story. of those. There's more of those than you know. Yeah, there okay. is a cornucopia hmm. to open up. But yes, there. I agree with you. That's a really good one. Because that one is just like, it, it just like grabs you a little bit. You're like, oh... Yeah, there, there's more of that, though, yeah. and that's why it's a high score. It's not a 10 to me, but it's pretty damn high. I don't give a lot of high scare factor scores. It's a scary movie. Totally. Very brave. Yeah. If effects are judicious, the very brave little toaster is our penultimate category. Look, I'm going to give it a 7 for effects or judicious lack thereof. Why not a 10? This movie does a lot in the... God, this movie, Mark, he was saying this movie does a lot in the effects or judicious lack thereof category. I was saying it does a lot in the effects department <laughs> okay okay it, it's whatever. not i don't think you could call it a judicious like thereof movie totes dude it has a lot of practical shit it has a lot of cg shit it does a lot in every department and if you will stop looking at me like that i can get to my fucking point but i i i'm penalizing it a lot for the fire is almost always bad right the fire looks bad in well, the movie Oh, yes. I had the exact opposite note. I literally had the exact opposite note. My so note this says, is, hey, this guys, is good the fire CG- actually looks good for once. It still doesn't look that good. It, it looks, looks better than most. Be- better than most. That's what, that's my, It looks better than most. It doesn't look good. And this focuses on it heavily for two different multi-minute scenes. They're not multi-minute. That's a lie. They're, they're Mark, the tits were in this movie. Seconds. They were on screen for at for least two minutes. more than two minutes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You're right. No, you're totally right. Yeah. Uh, but then also the 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 light effect, like it's just it's not it's it's a seven, it's not perfect. Mark, I probably should have gone higher than I did. I gave it an eight and a half. I actually think the fire looks actively good. I have no way of verifying this, but I'm pretty sure they must have done it practically because it looks real. I don't understand what your guys' uh, qualm was with it. That's what fire fucking looks like. Um, aside from that. There's just, it's hard to understate the overall visual storytelling here. That's part of the effects. The props that go into it that tie into the overall sets become very important. It, it's a very holistically, effectually driven film, and it's pretty damn near perfect. The only thing I don't like about it is this choice to go with the weird shimmery light thing that follows people around. Yeah, it I didn't mean, need that's, to happen. That's my biggest yeah. nitpick. There's a few other very minor things, but like that's that's the big one. Jake. Yeah, I gave it an eight. The only thing that you guys haven't really touched on yet is the the score, I guess. 
Yeah. I think for the one. most part, this serves the movie well. Uh, it's good. It is a good score. There's tension there. It's, it's It hits the strings high. It does what you do in a horror movie. It's a good horror movie score. But it wears a little on the nerves, and I think that I've already penalized this movie for this. I don't think this is the score's fault. I think this is a runtime thing. You can only do so much, and you can diversify what you have going on with your score, which I think it, it does to a decent degree, but still a long movie. It's a long movie. It's a long fucking movie, man. Yeah. The, I think the score is pretty good, and as we've already mentioned, is that from just a sound effect? Why are we talking about length? I think, I mean, where else are you going to put score? You're not going to put an immersion. You no, put you're story? talking about length, though. Scare I'm factor. curious why length No, is I'm saying I'm up. not penalizing it. I think the score is good. It starts to wear a little bit because you hear it a lot, but, well, but that's I'm not penalizing it thing, here. Right? When I watched it no, the second time, no, the score immediately starts being like, it doesn't need to be this intense this uh, early. And that's the thing you notice on a second viewing and beyond, I did think. Did not experience that. Okay. I will also say, though, score is one thing. Let's also talk about sound effects in general. We talked about it earlier. Mark said, hey, you throw this on with 5.1. Like, you get the good clicks behind you. We experienced that in the theater. There's a lot done here from a sound side of things. The the the, the click sound is great. A lot of things are great from a sound effect standpoint in this movie. And yeah. we didn't touch on that in the first two views. So I'll just say I gave it an eight and I'll add that. Cool. Overall, look, boys, I'm giving it a nine. This is one of my all-time favorite horror movies. Uh, it stood up very well to a second viewing. I continue to hope it will stand up well to more and more and more viewings. I'm going to continue to watch it. This is one of the best horror movies I've ever seen. I, I kind of agree. I gave it a seven, and I honestly think the difference between your score and my score is that I've only seen it once. I expect this score to yeah. go up over time. Yeah. So, Jake. I mean, yep. Yeah. I, I mean, okay. I've seen it twice, and I'll circle the wagons again. I guess I'm that guy today because I'm third. I'll give it an eight. It's a really good movie. Like I, I think this is one of the better horror movies I've seen in a little while. One of the things that we didn't hit on this podcast is some of the reaction that this movie got, which I'm super interested to talk about, but I, I just don't know how to fit it in. Um, We've only been recording for like an hour and 47 I minutes. I know, so. I know. Like anything, people fucking revolt. So it was a good horror movie. Don't fucking tell me otherwise, basically, is my standpoint. Oh, well, I'll tell you otherwise. One of the all-time greats, right? This, this is if, even if not. I mean, I don't, in I don't your know. opinion, one of the best know. movies ever. It's going to go down in history as one of the all-time great horror movies. I don't know if it will. Uh, okay. I don't I think don't that's know. for us to decide. Yeah. That's going to. Li- I mean, we need to be fifteen you, years yeah, down the road and see time. if it still resonates. Yeah. Honestly, right. like we don't even know if Get Out's going to be relevant in fifteen years. It's this it's a, great in the moment. Movie. This but is like, a better movie than Get Out. It is a better movie than Get Out. Oh, that's interesting. That's the take. Take of the episode right there. <laughs> Should we get the fuck out of here? Okay, this has been episode 108 of the A to Z Whorecast. Check out everything we have going on. Head on over to a to zhore.com or come hang out with us on either of our social media channels. That is Facebook. That is Twitter. Those links are going to be right down there in the description below. As always, grab that podcasting app of choice. Pick up your phone, give us a like, give us a rating on whatever that app you use is. Believe it or not, that helps. Send it on over to somebody you know, too. That's a huge help, too. The music has been coming at you from Super Bear. That link's going to be down there in the description below as well. They recently did drop a new track. Go ahead and check that out. And next week, we're continuing along with these October picks. It is going to be the Jake pick of the bunch. Ooh. The Tim Burton. Wow. The Sleepy Hollow. Wow. And that's going to be coming at you next week. Until then, get your buddies, grab some beers, and go watch some more movies.
Have a great weekend. It would take like even a stupid editor. Yeah, we're, we're not even editors. Yeah, we're, hey, we're, hey, 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 we're done. We edited people. a very well received parkour movie one time.